This should be played at high volume, preferably in a residential area. Live and local from the 1037 The Game Studios in Upper Lafayette. This is Acadiana's number one sports station, 1037 The Game. Streaming live at 1037thegame.com and on the free 1037 The Game mobile app. It's Saturday. take a walk on the wild side get your saturday started with an inside look under the dome with the world famous cd do you know who i am i don't know how to put this but i'm kind of a big deal on 1037 the game hey welcome everybody to under the dome with cd on acadiana's number one sports station 1037 the game and 1037 the game.com hopefully you're having a great saturday afternoon and hopefully you're making it a good one and thoughts and prayers out there to everybody who is affected by hurricane laura that came down through the gulf coast on wednesday night into thursday morning i know a lot of people especially out in lake charles got hit hard luckily here in the heart of Cajun country, Lafayette, Louisiana, was spared for the most part. But I know there's a lot of people out there that weren't necessarily as lucky. So thoughts and prayers go out to everybody that was affected by this hurricane that kind of came on through. And hopefully, you know, the stuff going on in the Gulf can just be a whole lot of nothing. Because I think we'd all be more than happy with the fact that we just got through one major storm. We don't need a potential other one because there's one out towards, you know, the I think it was near Africa yesterday. It was closer to the coast of Africa, and then another one that was closer to South America. So hopefully, that's the last one for at least a little while. But it's definitely a fair warning to remind you that we're that much closer to the peak of hurricane season right now. So make sure you stay safe and stay informed about the latest going on. One hundred three seven game dot com. We'll have you covered if we have another storm come on down the pipeline. But of course. We're coming to you live, as always, from the beautiful, palatial, and opulent 103.7 The Game Studios. Baby, we're looking good. I appreciate you listening in, however you're doing so. Be it through the FM dial, the tower of power, too sweet to be sour. Sky's the limit, space is the place. The FM dial, the free 103.7 The Game mobile app, which you can listen to anywhere you want and everywhere, all at the same time. You listen to us that way, or better yet, through your smart speakers. Make sure you tell your smart speaker to play 1037 the game. Tell it to play live on Alexa, Google Home. However you do so, trust me, you got plenty of different ways to listen to us. And of course, we got one way you can hit us up, and that is 337-706-0111. The Twin Peaks hotline is going to be wide open for a good bit of the show. I've got two guests coming on on the program today. 1130 gonna have on Ben Stevens, part of the Locked On Big Ten podcast. We'll talk to him about what's going on with the Big Ten. I'll talk about that in a little bit as well. But we'll also have Ross Jackson, Locked on Saints podcast, Canal Street Chronicles. By the way, when I'm recording those like preview videos, I keep saying All Saints Considered. I'm still so used to saying that, but I make sure to say Locked on Saints podcast, Canal Street Chronicles, in that order to make sure I don't screw it up. But we got those two guests coming on. But now we get to really the meat and potatoes of what's causing all this. On a Louisiana Saturday morning, and it's all what's going on up north in Big Ten country in our Saturday sports sermon. 
The famous CD is on his soapbox to start your Saturday. Who testifies? It's time for your Saturday sports sermon. The Big Ten is simply trying to slide back into playing college football like some random bro sliding into another female's DMs with an unsolicited pick. You can take a while guess what that is. Seriously, why are we still doing this in 2020? That kind of stuff is unacceptable. But when it comes down to it, the Big Ten, which just a month ago, they sat atop that ivory tower and said that no one, and I mean no one, should play football this fall because... If the Big Ten, the, the biggest dog of them all in their mind, doesn't play football, then why should anybody else? Everybody else should just pack it in and wait till 2021 to play. Wait till the fall of 2021, making sure that we have a vaccine in place and we have all these things to make sure that we can continue post-pandemic. Meanwhile, the Pac-12, in their air quotes here, infinite wisdom, decided to follow suit and walk out alongside the Big Ten and go ahead and do their own thing and decide to play in the spring. And you saw a lot of other programs. The FCS programs I mentioned this weeks ago, I can completely understand where they're coming from when it comes to the decision to push back to the spring. can completely understand that because there's so much money involved in getting football in, especially in the FCS level. You need to have fans in the stands. The FBS level, especially the Power 5 programs, they can survive. The Group of 5 conferences, eh, at least... It'll vary from conference to conference in my mind, but of course the big twi- the Big Ten, excuse me, the Big Twelve already kind of opted in on this thing. But the Big Ten reportedly has had to pull the ultimate Melvin move and just crawfish on back down the line, and are reportedly pursuing a start after Thanksgiving. If there is what is termed, this is coming from CBS Sports, by the way. An overnight change surrounding medical conditionings, testing, and contact tracing. I feel like that insurance commercial from a few years ago and saying, this isn't how it works. That's not how any of this works. The Big Ten is trying to spin this to make themselves look like the white knight in shining armor to save the day and save college football. And you've got the President of the United States out there saying, bring back Big Ten football. More power to him for saying that. Because I think we do, we would love to see college football back in mass where we have college football in the fall at least maybe shortened but I think I would love to see this kind of setup going forward but of course we're all wondering what's going to happen next what's the next step but the Big Ten is already trying to do this to be a people pleaser they're trying to be a people pleaser because of the fact that they've got a lot of group a large group of people who are upset the players are upset the coaches are upset and then you've got The parents, the Big Ten parents, have basically formed a coalition, almost a union of sorts, to try and get this thing back on board, back on at least somewhat of a track. Whatever you could have just bumped the season back a few weeks and then make your decision a little bit later. Give yourself a little bit of time instead of just pulling the plug all together. That was absolutely frustrating to me to see what was going on involving the Big Ten Conference because they made a huge misjudgment. And Kevin Warren, he's only been on the job for a year, but he's always—he's already looked very much like a clown shoes act. I understand an abundance of caution was made in this decision, but you could have also just done what the SEC 
and the ACC were planning on doing and just pushing it back to towards the end of September. That way you can find out more information. You can keep pushing back the dates, I think, and you'd be you'd probably be perfectly all right. But now that you have, you basically made your bed, now you have to lie in it. You can't just go back and basically, it's like back in the day when you used to have to trade, you traded things. Let's say, let's say you were trading Pokemon cards back in the day. That's at least the first thing that came to mind. You're trading Pokemon cards. It was, it was always the code of honor. You can't take back. No take backs. This is that kind of situation. No take backs here if you're the Big Ten. You can't take back and say, hey, I'm going to go ahead and decide to start playing again and play in November. Why are we doing this? Because, again, you know, we he caused a bigger problem with the fact that, you know, all the other conferences are going ahead except for them, him and the Pac-12. The Big Ten, the Pac-12, the only two not playing in the fall. That caused the top 25 polls to look largely irrelevant, which is something that we all kind of complained about whenever the USA Top 25, the AP Top 25 dropped, and they still had all those teams that had already opted out. Spoiler, by the way, those votes had already been tallied at this point in time rather than have them send it all out, obviously, right now with what's going on with the Postal Service. That's a different conversation for an entirely different show. But what's going on with the Postal Service probably make it a lot more difficult to get those votes in in time before those two Power 5 conferences decided, oh, hey, we're going to peace out, guys. And that's not counting, obviously, programs like a Boise State out of Mountain West and a lot of other ones from those relative conferences, obviously, like the MAC and the Mountain West. I'm going to use those two as an example. And then you have, obviously, it's another reason why the NCAA needs to have a sports czar because it continues to boggle the mind that in 2020 we don't have this in place because this whole situation makes the Big Ten look even more like a clown than they already did because, oh, hey, we're going to go ahead and try and play after Thanksgiving, after much of the season's already done for the SEC, the ACC, the Big 12, all these other conferences. They'll have, like, one more game left on their slate. Are you just going to go ahead and play four games and consider yourself the top contender because you're unbeaten if you're Ohio State? What the hell is going on at Big Ten country when you could have just said, hey, we're going to push things back, follow suit to September 26th, 2020, that way we don't wind up looking like a complete Melvin in the process just because we want to try and get back in the college football playoff. I'm sorry. Your window has passed up, my friend. You should have just followed suit with everybody else. And a big reason why I think the NCAA continues to need a sports czar where one person can make this unilateral decision after discussing it with the Pac-12, the SEC, the Big 12, the ACC. Everybody has a seat at the table and has a seat at the conversation for the greater good of college Football, You can't stay in the way of progress, and the Big Ten is continuing to stand in the way of progress. Reportedly, I saw this earlier, they're reportedly looking into domed stadiums for these contests, and that's not going to quite work when you think about it. Because how are you going to book dome stadiums in the middle, the peak, the tail end of football season? Because that's a logistical nightmare for one. Number two, you know, you've only, you got to worry about, like, let's say, let's use the Big Ten as a prime example. Minnesota. The Minnesota Vikings play in the month of January, more likely than not, more often than not. They'll make it in the wild card spot in 2020. I wouldn't be surprised. So that's not going to be available. Something like the Ford Field is obviously going to be available once you get to January because, you know, Detroit's obviously not making the playoffs. But once you get past that point with Ford Field, what else is available? It's highly questionable that you're going to wind up being able to fit 
all 14 of your teams into a bubble-like system, or better yet, using a dome to run all your games from after Thanksgiving, basically first week of December onward, it makes you wonder what is all going on and who's really running the ship here. Again, this is all people-pleasing and trying to make sure everybody can stay happy with the players. The coaches are showing themselves as having good faith to try and get this sport back on track for the greater damn good. And I'm sure they have all the best intentions in the world. To steal a phrase from Pulp Fictions, they had good intentions. They had best intentions. But even the best intentions in the world may not necessarily pay off the way you want it to. I cannot wait to see what's going to happen next involving the Big Ten and what's going to happen. Because I don't think they're going to do it. I don't think they're going to be able to get to that point in time. They're not going to be able to get to that yes of playing after Thanksgiving. At this point, you made your bed. You got to lie in it. At least that's how I think in my mind right here, right now. Because that's really the big million-dollar question that we're all going to be wondering about. Because we're just sitting here wondering what's going to happen with them. Because everybody else is in place. The NFL is going to go on full steam ahead in two weeks' time. The NCAA, they're going to be starting week one. Hell, you got a game today, UCA Central Arkansas. I, I'm i going to pull up a spread for that before the show is over with because I want to see what's going on with those games. But again, we are continuing to think what the hell is going on over in Big Ten land because they are kind of crawfishing it and being like a petulant child and saying no trade backs, but they have their fingers crossed like they're, again, like petulant little children. But we'll talk about that a little bit later on. Get some thoughts from the Big Ten side of things with Ben Stevens. Going to have him on at 1130. But coming up next, we're going to talk about something else that I think is definitely getting a lot of people talking and getting a lot of people wondering what's going on. And it's the Astros A's last night. The Astros A's game did not happen. We'll have a doubleheader right here on 103.7 The Game, by the way. Starting at 235 pregame, we've got a 310 first pitch. 45 minutes after that, we've got the second game of that doubleheader. It'll all be going down this afternoon. You'll hear it all right here on 1037 the game. Both those games are seven inning doubleheaders. So make sure you keep it locked right here on Acadiana Sports Station. Because we'll talk about the Astros A's last night. And here's some thoughts from Dusty Baker and also Robert Ford play by play voice of the Astros right after this on Under the Dome with C D. On 1037 The Game, 1037thegame.com. Most sports talk radio shows go up to 10 on the amp, but Under the Dome with CD goes one higher. Why don't you just make 10 louder and make 10 be the top number and make that a little louder? These go to 11. Now back to the show that brings the heat on Acadiana's Sports Station, 1037 The Game. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD right here on Acadiana Sports Station 1037 The Game and 1037thegame.com. Coming to you live from the 1037 The Game studios. Hopefully you're having a great Saturday and you're making it a great one. And hopefully you're also staying hydrated, I would say, because obviously everybody might be out there getting some yard work done right after the storm. I know I was dealing with quite a bit of that on Friday into 
little bit this morning. I know we were taking care of it around the house, so hopefully you're able to kind of stay safe and stay hydrated. Because, again, it is a hot one right now, but apparently I saw this pop up yesterday. I have to look this up. Is I believe Heath Morton, give him credit where credit is due, because he's been working his took us off since this whole thing kind of started. But he brought this up, that, you know, highs can be in the low 90s, lows will be in the upper 70s. Rain chances are a little lower next week. But there's a chance where, you know, there there's a solid chance that maybe sometime next week we could be seeing some, like, cooler weather. Now, if that holds or not, is anybody's guess. Because, you know, here in the state of Louisiana, it could be absolutely, you know, sweltering hot one day and then it's raining the next all day. We know this weather can change at the drop of a dime. If you've lived in this area long enough, you know that. But make sure you stay safe and also stay hydrated on this Saturday afternoon because it's still going to be a pretty hot one if you're having to be out and about getting some yard work done and still working on the cleanup process. I don't know, Maybe there's supposed to be some rain later today, but still make sure you try and get that done before the rain comes down. And hopefully you're finishing up all that stuff because, again, that's been a lot of what's been like, interfering with a lot of people's lives here in the heart of Cajun country, obviously in Lake Charles and everything in between, there's a lot of other kind of work that needs to be done. But now I'm going to get to what happened last night with the Astros and A's. Because I think it's definitely time to at least talk about it, have a dialogue about it. Can I have on Ben Stevens a little bit talk about the Big Ten and what's going on with, with their stuff? Because there's a lot of things going on with that that I'm intrigued about. But anyways... So the Astros and A's game last night was supposed to happen. First pitch at 8-10. And then right before first pitch, they all stood 42 seconds for a moment of silence. They all walked off the field, and the game was over. And I wound up getting a notification on my phone. I'm like, oh, man, now I have to, like, be, I was just more having to hurry up and make sure everything was working right with the transition from the Astros back to national programming because obviously and we got a lot of other things to deal with from that aspect kind of go a little bit inside the fourth wall here of how things go with the Katie and a sports station, but I was trying to figure out how to make this all work, basically, is how I thought about it. It's like, we got to make this work somehow, some way. So, as I turn on the radio to make sure that, one, we're still on the air, and two, they're still broadcasting, because I know they're going to do a pseudo-post game, which was really awesome, I'll say. Largely because of something that Robert Ford said during his post-game comments. And I'll play that for you right now. And I have to say, I was I was definitely proud to have heard that statement. I was more proud of that than anything. And also, I was, I was proud of the Astros. But I think Robert Ford's statement said it best. There is not going to be a baseball game played today. And, you know, you may be thinking, you know, just stick to sports. I don't watch or listen to sports for politics. I get more than enough of that everywhere else. And you know what? I really wish I could just stick to sports. But as a black person, it's been really hard for me to stick to sports lately. It's really hard for me to stick to sports when I read about yet another black person shot at, yet another black person killed under questionable circumstances. It's hard to stick to sports when I know that my life and the lives of my family may not last as long and don't matter as much because of how we look and because of the color of our skin. You want us to stick to sports? Then you need to listen to us. Unjustified shootings of black people will continue and protests will continue until you listen to us and work with us toward meaningful change. I commend all of the athletes who have chosen to take a stand, including players on both teams tonight. 
And this was a decision that was made before the game, obviously. I mean, the A's had done that the night before, before their series finale with the Rangers, then they rearranged a doubleheader a little bit down the road. I think this this was a great move by the Astros to do so. And I think there also just needs to start being a conversation, a larger conversation than I can have on this show. Because again, I'm just I love to present the facts rather than bringing my opinion on these kind of hard hitting topics. I'll bring up some more of that later on in the program because I think there's is it's a lot like what I'm thinking about the NBA right now because the NBA I'll talk about that top of the hour too by the way about what's going on with the NBA and their decision to stop play and then restart it. What's the next step? Now I'm going to bring up some other stuff that they've since announced after I was kind of writing down the the rundown of the show. I want to kind of talk about that a little bit later. But when it comes to the MLB, what's next for them? Are they going to continue to kind of go this direction? Because I think if they do, it's going to be a great step in the right direction. We're seeing a lot of players and coaches and talk. And the Astros are in full support of this. The management is all the way in support of this. And I'm looking forward to seeing how that winds up happening going forward. Because will this be an isolated incident where, you know, they – they take a stand for social justice, and there, there's plenty of reason why they should be doing that. Or is this going to be just one moment in time, and then it's never really talked about again? That That's really where kind of my concern lies, because is this just going to be one moment in time that we're all going to remember? Or is it just going to be something that we see basically become a huge kind of freight train, a snowball effect, if you will? That's what I would love to see out of this. And Dusty Baker actually talked about this whole situation, the silent protesting, the walk-offs that have happened in recent days, and actually talked about it pregame, and I thought his takes were really good. Again, this is coming from a Zoom call, so the quality, not exactly ideal, but you'll definitely hear the words that he has to say, and he's got a lot to get off his chest here. No, I mean, but I was proud of the guys for, you know, for doing it. And, uh, you know, I mean, I'm proud of young people, period. And, you know, I knew Dominic Smith when he was – uh, you know, a very young kid at, at the at the Compton Sports Complex, and uh, you know now to see him as a man, to to see him to still have the feelings that you know, you know that he remembers, you know what it was like, you know the struggle, and you know a lot of times you 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 get into a fluency and then you get into Major League Baseball, and some some people have a tendency to forget, you know what what life's really about for everybody else. I'm just glad to see so many. You know, I watch the basketball players and the, and the WNBA and the hockey, uh, uh, you know, NHL and, you know, everybody, uh, you know, in support of this. And, uh, you know, we're going to get this done. It's going gonna, it's gonna to take everybody, black, white, Hispanic, Asian, Indian, it doesn't matter what, uh, you know, who you are and where you are in, in, in the part of the country. So, uh, like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm very proud of the, you know, the, the youth because this is, I was there in, in, in the 60s, and here we are still in the same situation and same boat 50-something years later. So hopefully this will, you know, turn everything around and at least make people, like, um, aware of what's happening. And I think that's the biggest thing is the awareness of all this. And I think as you think about it, you know, maybe 20, 30 years ago we didn't hear every little thing that was happening across this country of ours. We heard about the big moments, the stuff that wound up making the headline news. 
But now through social media, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, everything in between, we see these things on a regular basis and we are made aware of so much that's going on, not just in Kenosha, Wisconsin, right here in Lafayette, Louisiana, the last Friday. We all know what happened there. All these things that have happened, and we're becoming more and more aware of these things. And it's maybe time to have some of those difficult conversations. I'm going to try not to go towards that end on this program or any other future program. I've always mentioned I want to try and stick to sports for the most part. But whenever stick to sports kind of collide, when sports collides with all this, is definitely worth mentioning on this program. And I got to say, I'm proud to be an Astros fan because of what I saw last night. Because I, I didn't expect the Astros to walk out. I talked with Gordy, Chris Gordy of Sports Talk 790 on Thursday, the day before the game, when I filled in for Jordy Holper. And we discussed that the possibility of that game being canceled, of the game being postponed and move a doublehead or what have you. And we felt. It was unlikely. But lo and behold, that changed. And I think a lot of it have to do with the fact that Dusty Baker, the skipper, is he had a lot more to say. And you can wind up checking out a lot of stuff Chandler Rome has written over the last 24 hours. I highly, highly recommend reading some of the stuff Chandler's put out because he's cranked out a lot of great content about this. A lot, he has a lot more to say about it, and Dusty Baker has a lot more to say about it than I do. I am, again, so proud of to be an Astros fan after what they did last night. Now, what's next? That's always my big question, is what happens after you make this statement? Because you can make this statement all you want, but unless there's actual change that happens because of this, then it was kind of all for naught. I'm, I'm going to say that about the NBA. It's like the NBA, after like a couple days, they're back on the court today. What happens next? What's the next step? What's going to be happening down the road to show that your actions are going to speak louder than the words or your silence, if you will? You wind up leaving the, the bubble, and you wind up saying, hey, we're going to go ahead and not play for a couple days, and then come right back. What happened? Where, where are those next steps being taken league-wide with the NBA, the MLB, the NHL, the NFL, where what's the next step there if we're going to are we going to continue to sit down and not play after something like this happens it's a, it's a genuine question i've been wondering about because i don't have that answer i'd like to try and have all the answers but the questions continue to change when it comes down to it but appreciate you listening in we've got ben stevens we'll go towards a lighter subject with the big 10 the possibility of playing after Thanksgiving, we'll talk about that and a whole lot more next right here on 103.7 The Game and 103.7 The Game.com. Even in these trying times, the world-famous CD follows the simple words of Matthew McConaughey. You just got to keep living, man. L-I-V-I-N. So let's kick back and enjoy Under the Dome on 103.7 The Game. It'd be a lot cooler if you did. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD right here on Acadiana's number one sports station, 1037 The Game and 1037 thegamecom 
Now it's time to bring a guest aboard the Twin Peaks hotline. By the way, you can call us up after this segment, 337-706-0111. He's a proud Syracuse alum and host of the Locked On Big Ten podcast, and it is Ben Stevens. Ben, what's happening, man? Quick, my man. I, or if you want me to call you CD, I like how that rolls off the tongue for your radio show. So I might go with CD if you'll allow me. It's great to be here. It's great to be speaking to your listeners in Louisiana, trying to give some insight on what's been going down with the Big Ten. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it, man. You can call me CD. You can call me Clint. Just make sure you try and I'm, uh, not not call me anything anything derogatory. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> Hey, as long as this radio interview goes the way I think it will, we'll have no issues with that. All right, you know, and obviously I think we, because over here in like the heart of Cajun country where we got LSU, the Cajuns, they're all going, relatively speaking, full steam ahead. When you look at the Cajuns, they're playing a couple weeks from now. But the Big Ten, we're wondering, you know, what's going on with this entire situation and the reports coming out yesterday that the Big Ten is looking at maybe Thanksgiving weekend start as an option for the Big Ten Football, is there any like way that you could see this actually happening? No, if I'm being frankly honest, CD, not a chance. I don't understand really the portion of putting it after Thanksgiving weekend and having it in late fall. It's still not the fall season as we know. It's not the fall season that the FEC or some of the other Power Five conferences are hoping to kick off here in mid-September or late September, or like you mentioned with the Raging Cajuns, what they're doing, getting ready to play in just a few weeks from now. It's not the same fall season. It's a completely different atmosphere. They would still only be competing against the Big Ten, playing for a Big Ten title. They have no hope of going to the national showdown of the college football playoff. It makes little sense to me, except for the fact that you have the grandeur of playing after Thanksgiving. You have football played in that winter time. Again, if you have that start of the season after Thanksgiving, late November, early December, you're still gearing up for training camp here probably by the middle part of October, early October. That's about a month from where we sit right now. If based on what your medical experts and infectious disease experts have been feeding you that you were able to postpone or cancel the fall sports season when you did three weeks ago, what has changed up until about a month from now that would leave you feeling confident in now bringing your programs back on the campus and starting a training camp again? It makes little to zero to no sense to me, and Slim has walked out the door pretty much. And in my opinion, you're seeing a lot of reports now nationally going back on what was reported yesterday about Thanksgiving. Yes, the Big Ten was kind of working through that. But speaking with a lot of the coaches around the conference, a lot of national reporters saying they weren't really clued in on this call. If it happened, they didn't know about it. And they still feel that a January start is probably the earliest we'll see Big Ten football. And I think that that'd be perfectly fine, you know, when it comes to starting in the month of January. But it makes you wonder, why didn't the Big Ten try and do what maybe the SEC and the ACC did and just kind of push the start of the season back to, like, September 26th? That way they can still fall in line. And if anything obviously changes in the next, like, couple weeks with everything going on, you let kids back into school. Obviously right now Notre Dame's dealing with some stuff, North Carolina. Mm-hmm. A lot of other programs across the country are dealing with a, a little bit of an outbreak. But right. you you have to you want to be able to give yourself enough time to make that decision whether you're going to play on in the fall. You can have give yourself a little bit more of a buffer that way you can see how things go rather than pull the plug completely. Yeah, and that's what's upset a lot of fans about the Big Ten's decision is the fact that they released the modified conference only schedule six days prior to the cancellation of the fall sports season. So a lot of people said. Why even release the schedule? Why go through the trouble of releasing the schedule where you hyped up and highlighted the flexibility of it all? They called it Jenga 41, 41 movable dates 
where two conference opponents, two common foes, have a common bye week at some point in the season. So if there is a delay from their game, they are able to pretty much plug in place and play later on. It was really a masterclass in the flexibility we all knew we would have to deal with if we were able to have any sort of a successful fall sports season. So they released that, and then six days later, they pulled the plug. So that left a lot of Big Ten fans saying, what the heck are we doing? And really, it's not so much the decision, in my opinion, Clint. I think at this time, if there is uncertainty and you're getting information from people a lot smarter than I, and we're really seeing the scientific process right now for COVID-19 play out in front of us. So a lot of people think it's misinformation, things are changing. No, it's just people uh, studying this novel coronavirus and learning on the fly as we are because it's never been presented before. But what the issue is, and a lot of people are having a hard time wrapping their heads around, is there's been no transparency. There's been no guidance from the Big Ten. That's why you have all of these reports continuously swirling around media members covering the Big Ten because the league office themselves have done an incredibly poor job of being the figurehead of being the front runner and releasing the information and releasing that for us so we can see it with our own eyes. Talk right now with Ben Stevens. He is spitting absolute fire right now about what's going on with the Big Ten. And I saw this not long ago. Apparently there have been 25 to 30 football parents of Ohio State heading over to the Horseshoe to kind of be a part of all this, to kind of protest addressing the Big Ten's recently handling of the decision. What are your thoughts on that, seeing the, the Big Ten parents kind of really stepping in to try and get this thing going? I mean, I think they have every right, and that's been the point. If there has been such a lack of transparency coming from Kevin Warren, the Big Ten commissioner, and the conference presidents and athletic directors who are still feeling like they're out of the loop of everything, if there is no information being fed to the programs, which are then fed to the players, which are then fed to the parents, they have the right to demand some information. They have a right to demand an open line of communication with the league office because right now they're getting nothing. And you're seeing just about an hour ago, outside the horseshoe in Columbus, Ohio, G. Scott Sr., a parent of an Ohio State football player, out there with a rousing speech pretty much saying, we are the parents wanting to decide what is best for our kids. Kevin Warren himself, as you may know, C.D., has a younger son named Powers Warren who plays for Mississippi State. And, of course, the Bulldogs are getting ready for an SEC season coming up here in just a few weeks. And by all indications right now, Powers Warren will be a part of that Mississippi State roster. So they pretty much said, and G. Scott made a great point, how are you, Mr. Warren, allowing your kid to play and making that decision for your family but not allowing us to do the same? And that's a valid point. At a certain point, the conference leadership does need to step in and make bigger picture decisions for the entirety of the conference. That they have the right to do, but they need to pass down that information and they need to let these parents be absolutely in the know and in the loop and seeing this medical advice, seeing the expert advice, and exactly why the Big Ten is afraid of playing a fall sports season. So the parents have every right. What will be accomplished from it? I'm not entirely sure because still it seems like Kevin Warren and the league offense are kind of running and hiding and not really addressing their concerns. And, you know, it's even more damning when you think about it because this is Kevin Warren. He literally got the job last year and within a year has kind of looked like I'd say, and, you know, I'll say this. Kevin Warren, for the most part, to me, at least in the recent months, has reminded me a lot of like a Rob Manfred type in terms of a commissioner of the Big Ten where there's not a whole lot of – he hasn't said a damn thing worth worth noting right now. And it's like why haven't we right. heard anything from him or anybody else involved in the Big Ten? Again, like you said, transparency. I think that's the one thing that I like about how things are here with the SEC. They're open and transparent. Uh, they've been 
busting out updates every single day, giving us an idea of what things are going to look like if we do get to that September 26th date and we're able to start the season without a hitch. Right, absolutely. Greg Sankey has done an incredible job as a conference leader of being that figurehead, the absolute person in your conference that is delivering the message to your schools and everybody following suit. They have put the protocols in place, and so far the SEC has followed. The Big Ten did the same thing. They had protocols for workouts. They had protocols and guidelines for getting back to fall camp. And then it pretty much got switched on 180, and we just said, okay, we're done. So Kevin Warren himself has not looked great at that. At one point of this season, CD, I praised Kevin Warren for being pragmatic. He said when they made the announcement back in early July about the Big Ten being the first Power Five conference to move to a conference-only schedule, he said just because we are making this decision does not mean we will play a football season. Even when they released the actual schedule, the week one matchups, he said this does not guarantee we play a season. And then six days later, he canceled the season and doesn't say a damn word except a pre-press release, not fabricated, but a press release thing that he just had out there, right, ready to go, and did not speak. Had a couple minutes on BTN where they could have fed him some softball questions, and he really could have gone thoroughly through the decision-making process. Instead, he spoke for a few minutes on the conference network, and that was it. And this is where I get into my rant, and this is what still makes me angry, because I've been going through the five stages of grief, dealing with the Big Ten canceling their fall sports season. And this is what I'm really in stage two in anger. I always come back to it. It took Kevin Warren eight days since he made that decision to release any sort of words to the Big Ten community. Eight freaking days to say something. And that blows my mind. Because it pretty much has allowed us to say, if it looks like crap, it smells like crap, it pretty much is crap. And that has been what it's seen with the lack of transparency. It almost seems like they're doing backdoor deals and we don't know exactly what's happening. So it's been handled incredibly poorly from the Big Ten leadership. It has been handled absolutely poorly by the Big Ten. And one of the questions that I've just kind of been continually thinking about over the last several weeks is, should there now like be more than ever a push for a czar of college football? Rather than, because, mind you, the NCAA is just as bad when you think about it. They're just letting yeah. the Big Ten, the Pac-12, all, these other, all the conferences – make a decision rather than one unilateral decision after having a conversation with everybody at the table. Have a conversation with Kevin Warren, Keith Gill, Greg Sankey, all the other commissioners, Bob Bowlesby with the Big 12. Have all these guys yeah. in a roundtable or, or a giant Zoom call, if you will. Have a conversation yeah. with them and have a conversation with the AD separately. That way y'all can all come to one unilateral decision that maybe could have been September 26th as that kind of situation where you put yourself in and you can all follow that similar line and you're not having to kind of scramble because I brought up the Cajuns earlier. They had to scramble to get Iowa State, UAB, and Central Arkansas, who's playing tonight, by the way. You had to scramble to get this whole thing together whenever you could have just said, hey, we're all going to play on September 26th or we're going to wind up pushing it back to the spring because it just looks like the NCAA has, as they like to put it, a lack of institutional control. Oh, for sure. I mean, I think Mark Emmert has the best job in the entire country being the head of the NCAA. He sits in Indianapolis, and he doesn't really do anything of value. He just says, okay, here's some guidelines that we think might be helpful. If you follow them, great. If you don't, well, too bad. I can't really do much about it. What are they doing? They've done absolutely nothing. And we have seen now, even with them canceling the NCAA championships in the fall sports season, that we know that college football runs 
on its own lever. They can control what they want to do for their postseason. We have the CFP, and we have them making the decision as Division One college football, the FBS football bowl subdivision, going on their own because they always have been able to. And it's crazy to me that the NCAA has never crowned a Division One champion in football. And we have this complete paradigm shift of college football doing whatever they want, and yet we have no sense of unity within college football. It has been widely reported that when Kevin Ward made the decision to go conference only for the Big Ten back in July, that took a lot of the other conference commissioners and caught them off guard. They were not ready for such a decision to be made. They had been meeting, they had been speaking, but they were not ready for the Big Ten to go out and do this. And that, I think, caused quite a schism between the Power Five, which had been pretty united to that point, and then we saw what happened to the ramifications from that, and everybody just acting as their own independent person. And that has led to just the most insanity going on across all of college football because you have certain Power Five conferences like the Big Ten of the Pac-12 getting rid of the fall sports season. You have the SEC progressing at their pace. You have the ACC going differently. I mean, there's, there's nothing. And it leads the student-athletes who, that's what everybody says, you know, that's our focus when the league say we want to cancel and the schools say we're looking out for their best interests. We're focused on the student-athletes. It leads them just in a world of questions. How can somebody, a player from Wisconsin, say, okay, we've been following our protocols as well as we can. What are the protocols we have here at Wisconsin that are different at the University of Tennessee that they're moving on and they're playing their football season while we're now sitting at home? It has led to a world of just complete confusion. I'm confused. My head's been rattling straight for about a month trying to follow along with all these storylines, with all these reports, with all the lack of information coming from the Big Ten. It has just been an absolute cluster, and it just has been terribly, terribly done by the Big Ten leadership. And I think you're right, CB. We need an absolute czar of college football. One man who runs all of this Division One, no doubt about it. Exactly. And Ben, thank you so much for coming on, my man. Why don't you tell the people how they can check out the Locked On Big Ten podcast? Yeah, Locked On Big Ten is still going strong. You know, for the five months after the NCAA tournament was canceled back in March, I was building up to the point where getting back to college football. Unfortunately, for the time being, that's not happening. But Locked On Big Ten, you can get it wherever you listen to your podcast Spotify, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google. All that good stuff. Wherever you listen to your podcast, get it. We're still creating good content, still having a good time with it, trying to keep you entertained, talking to some tastemakers from around the Big Ten, obviously providing the latest update as we get them of what could happen for a potential Big Ten football season at some point this year. We've got great people from all around the conference, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, providing some big perspective as well. So, CD, I might have to bring you on to hear how it's going down there in Louisiana, and you can actually talk to me about football games. You got a pick tonight for Central Arkansas and Austin P. You know, I've got a pick for it. I think I got to go with Central Arkansas again. I mean, Austin P. Okay. wound up having their coach, who was a former coach of the Cajuns, get fired oh. for a very different reason. Let me just put it this way: the coach for Austin P. got fired about like a month and a half ago for reasons that were very different than the last time he got canned. Maybe it was mm. more, more more along the lines of how he got fired the first go round when he was at his. Pre- previous gig before the University of Louisiana, but I've got to go with Central Arkansas having the edge here. Again, they're three-and-a-half-point favorites, and I'm so glad that there are point spreads for football in 2020. Yeah. It's, it's it's so good. Yeah, it's incredible. CD, I'm placing my money on Central Arkansas tonight. I'm going to send you the bill if it doesn't work out. Is that okay? That's more than okay, man. I'll, 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 foot, I'll foot the bill. Just make sure you don't bet the, bet the house on it. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. No, that's going to be a more like probably just a five hundred dollar wager. Oh, come on, that. man! Me and Julie kind of like no, no, no. It may be twenty bucks at that. And you know what? Because you were so gracious in having me here, I'll put the bill for my own bet. You got it. Don't even worry about it. All right, brother, take it easy. Luckily, you can bet where you're at. I can't because Louisiana hasn't legalized sports betting. Come on, Louisiana, get it together. 
Yeah, man, that's the future. We got to keep going. All right, thanks again, brother. Appreciate you having me. Thanks. All right, that was Ben Stevens. You can follow him on Twitter at Ben Scott Stevens. Come back. We'll wrap up the first hour of the show talking about what things need to hit the bricks. I'll get to a few of them because I don't think I'll have enough time to get to all of them, but I'll have enough time to get to some. Back after this on 1037 The Game and 1037thegame.com. Under the Dome with CD is far from your ordinary sports talk show. I am the voice of the voiceless. What other show has more pop culture references than an episode of Family Guy? I just don't want to be involved in any of that mess. Now back to the famous CD on 103.7 The Game, Acadiana's sports station. There's a lot of things that frustrates the famous CD on a daily basis. I got a lot of problems with you people. Let's let the man breathe and tell you what needs to hit the bricks. All right, I got enough time to get at least one of these in. And I think it's the one that I have definitely was more frustrated about over the last week. So it's time for one person by the name of Clay Travis to hit the damn bricks. Hit the bricks, pal. His whole get woke, go broke rhetoric as well as him just existing is enough for him to wind up on this list. He just made the list of people that I have not stood, I couldn't stand for a long time. He is the Vince Russo of sports media in my mind, and he is only in the sports media business because his career in law didn't pan out. Remember, this is the same guy years ago asked Tim Tebow about his virginity during SEC media days to get himself over on a nationwide scale. This cat, this jabroni from Tennessee, needs to just get the hell out of here, and I'm glad. He is one of the handful of people I have outright muted from my feed because I saw him kept popping up on my feed all over the last couple weeks. And every time I see the phrase Corona Bros, I almost puke in my mouth. I cannot stand this jabroni mark for himself. He wants to think of himself as a guy that can cancel anybody. I'll say this. I'm not a fan of Dave Portnoy with Barstool. He just he seems like a really skeevy cat. I think a lot of people who have seen some of the stuff he does and says can kind of agree with it. And that's saying something that I can say this guy is absolutely, he needs to be gone from my regular like viewing point of view because I can't stand this cat. Get him out of here. Get this clown shoes out of here. This will be the only time I ever mentioned him and his entire existence of outkick the coverage the guy just needs to go away sometimes. Just just take a break, buddy. Just go ahead and let, let Outkick go the way of the Dodo Bird. And more importantly, you can hit the bricks. Hit the bricks, pal. You are done, and I am done with Hour 1 of Under the Dome with CD. Back after this, Hour 2 coming up next right here on 1037 The Game, 1037thegame.com. Woo! This should be played at high volume, preferably in a residential area. Live and local from the 1037 The Game Studios in Upper Lafayette, this is Acadiana's number one sports station, 1037 The Game. Streaming live at 1037thegame.com and on the free 1037 The Game mobile app. It's Saturday. Time to take a walk on the wild side. Get your Saturday started with an inside look under the dome with the world famous CD. Do you know who I am? I don't know how to put this, but I'm kind of a big deal. On 1037, the game. 
Hey, and welcome everyone. Hour two of two underway. Off we go. Appreciate you listening in, however you're doing so. Be it through the FM dial, through the free mobile app, 1037thegame.com. By the way, that free mobile app for iPhone and Android had a hell of a lot of listeners towards the end of hour number one. I'd appreciate you if you're sticking around, especially on the streaming side of things. And, of course, we are coming to you live, as always, from the beautiful, palatial, opulent, dare I say, cromulent, and every other great word in between. That means positively delightful. We're talking about the 103.7 The Game Studios. Baby, we're looking good. And, of course, this is the show that kind of keeps this whole Saturday afternoon, the Saturday morning, Saturday afternoon programming rolling. And we got a great afternoon the rest of the way planned for you. I'll give you some details about that in just a bit. But if you want to call us up, 337-706-0111. The Twin Peaks hotline is open, 337-706-0111. It's how you get in on the conversation about anything and everything. Because we've got a pretty wide open hour here. I'm going to talk about some things involving the NBA who is there restarting today, which is really cool. But also, what's next when it comes down to it? with what's going on with the NBA's postseason and what's what happens next following this entire situation. You know, when you just look at how everything has looked, because now you wonder what's going to happen next involving the next step towards what's being called, what everybody's talking about, social justice. And I think there's plenty of reason for social justice to happen. Obviously, it needs. I think it needs to happen in a big way. But you just wonder what happens next involving the NBA and sports at large following this walkout. Because I think, honestly, there could have been a chance where the NBA could have just said, you know, where the NBA players as a whole could have just said, hey, we're going to walk away. We're not going to play the rest of the way. But now we get to see the NBA continue action as planned. And we get to see basketball back for the second time. They could have gone away. But overall, you know, I just think there needs to be a bigger conversation when it comes to what happens next involving the NBA following this whole, I'm not going to say ordeal, because I think the conversation deserves to be had. But I also think, you know, what happens next? And I think the NBA is starting to make those steps already. They have announced that all 30 of the NBA stadiums that they have, for instance, the Smoothie King Center, the Smoothie King Center will be a voting area. We'll be able to take, be able to have votes taken on election day, be able to make your vote, make your voice be heard. I think that's absolutely huge when it comes to taking that next step towards making a great change and changing the world. Looks like we got a call on the, Twin Peaks Hotline, 337 Let's see who it is. Hello. Hey, Clint. That would be the best thing in the world, man, uh, for the NBA to go to, uh, for them to go by the wayside. Uh, their ratings are so horrible right now, Clint. Uh, it probably does them good just to go away. Uh, I think they're a disgrace, man. Thank you. All right. Chad, thank you for that opinion. And, you know, for me, I, I, I agree. I'm not saying go by the wayside. I'm saying they could have just stopped. And and basically said, hey, let's kick the can down the road to 2021 or whatever, you know, to take that stand. And that would have probably been great. But now you return to action 
what does that mean for that message that you wanted to put out there to the world on Wednesday night? What does that mean next? What's the next thing that you're going to do? And they're going to make some, they're making good progress already, saying a bunch of the stadiums, they are going the right way. And, you know, talk about the ratings. I, I feel like ratings just, and maybe I'm wrong here. Maybe I'm completely and utterly in the wrong here. But do ratings mean as much as they used to in like five, ten years ago? Do they mean as much as they did? And this is something I've always just thought about in general because of how things are and how we consume media. Especially, I'd say, TV. Because I think TV more than anything has changed so much in the last like five years. It doesn't mean as much towards the almighty like advertising and everything in between. Because think about it. How many people out there who are listening right now have cut the cord for one reason or another? Because they're they're tired of paying X amount of dollars a month for, let's say, about five or six channels you watch on the regular and then about 200 to 300 more that you don't even bother with. You know, who, who really is going to be listening to the music, go to the music channels on like the 500s on a regular basis? Who is really going to go that far to go watch, you know, like an obscure B movie somewhere on like the 300 levels? Maybe me, but you know, that's just, that's just how I am. That's how I'm wired. But I'm sure most of America isn't going to want to basically invest in $60, $70 a month towards an overall like product that they don't want to pay all of this money for. That's where I'm at. Do the ratings really matter? For the, and you know, for the most part, I think some TV, TV properties, for instance, TNT, I'm using them as a prime example, one, because they have the NBA, but they also have AEW Dynamite. And AEW Dynamite has been getting shuffled around, had to air last Saturday, which was an interesting experience, to say the least, with everything else going on with the NBA, the MLB, and also yet NXT TakeOver that night. It was interesting to see how their ratings were going to look. And they wound up hitting, I think, around like 750,000, something along those lines. Relatively low, low ratings, but on a Saturday night, whenever you got all these other things going on and people want to do other things, it makes you wonder, you know, and TNT was more than happy about it because they nailed it. But it just continues to make me wonder, you know, when it comes to the ratings for television, and we see this on a regular basis that, you know, I brought up Clay Travis earlier, and his, his cronies, I'll just say that, about, you know, over at OutKick talking about the ratings. And yes, the ratings are down, but you look at how things are in terms of those ratings, the world's changed in terms of how we consume it. You can't say that their ratings are down because of, X, Y, and Z. Maybe the younger audience, like me, like Lewis, like a lot of other people who are probably listening in right now, you know, there's a new demo out there that isn't watching through the traditional manner. They're watching it through other parties or better yet, watching it through an app. Like like the Four Letter Network, they've got an app where you can just watch all the games on there. You can watch every single game you want on there. You, like college football's coming up in a couple weeks, and we're going to start watching those games on TV. We're going to start watching games on the app, games through 
our PS4s, our Roku's, whatever you whatever you have that can stream something, you can stream something that way. Has that devalued that theorem of, you know, I got to say, that's the thing, you know, has the ratings relative to, you know, how we as a society in 2020 consume media changed the way we look at things? I think obviously, you know, there's some of us like me. I mean, I have cable because I like to I watch a lot of different things. I pretty much will watch anything and everything involving The Office, South Park, you name it, I'll watch it. And I also DVR, I host a podcast about pro wrestling, the Cajun Strong South Podcast. I'm going to be dropping one, I believe, tomorrow. I'll be recording it after the show's wrapped up, and I'll drop it tomorrow, previewing Payback. And I've got a DVR, and I DVR all the shows because I want to talk about it on the program. And I want to be able to watch it on my own time. Now, DVR, I don't know how that accounts for the ratings or what have you, but I'm sure that probably is a good dent, too, because here's the thing. A lot of us have other things to do. There's only 24 hours in a day. We're not able to be out and about, watch, be at home watching every game every single night. And you look at the NBA, the way things have been set up, you have games sometimes 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Most of the key demographic, like that's let's just say the 18 to 34 range, the 18 to 34 range. We're going to kind of break open kayfabe here and talk about the 18 to 34 range, the demos. That's what everybody's going for. What are 18 to 34 year olds typically doing around one, two o'clock in the afternoon? Spoilers. They're working. At least I would, I would think, but obviously in this economy, it's a little bit different, but I think for the most part, a lot of us out there working, trying to, maybe even trying to go get another another gig somewhere because obviously they may have been laid off. There's a lot of questions surrounding that 18 to 34 range and how they're consuming media and how much that's changing the way we're looking at the Nielsen ratings that we see on the regular that the world winds up putting out there as the BL end all. You know, I keep talking about how I never, and you know, I'm going back to the Cajun Strong Style podcast. And I never bring up the ratings war between WWE and AEW because I feel like the ratings, relatively speaking, don't matter to me as much as saying, hey, I'm going to go ahead and watch what I want to watch. And I'll watch it all because I don't mind admitting. I'll watch whatever's on TV because of the fact that, one, if I enjoy it, I enjoy it. And that's that's one thing that I'm also just overall saying. You know, Everybody wants to walk away from the NBA. I was seeing, oh, man. Let me just put it this way. I, I'd say social media managers of franchises and leagues right now deserves a big pay raise because they've got to deal with a lot of, you know, BS. Let's just put it that way. They've got to deal with a lot of that, a lot of crap from Twitter bots, Facebook bots, whatever you want to call it. Bots saying, oh, I've been a fan since 1971 or whatever. Like there was somebody who said, I've been a Raptors fan since 1971. They're not getting a ticket from me anymore. The Raptors have been around since 1995, pal. Get it together. That's where I'm at. And, Chad, I respect your call, but I still think that, you know, maybe the logic is a little bit flawed in terms of the ratings because I don't think the rate, again, personal opinion here, the ratings don't mean as much to me anymore as they did in, like, 2010, 2007, 2005, somewhere along those ranges. That's when the landscape of television changed. I'd say about 2010, 2011, 
once we started to see more and more on-demand stuff being offered to you, more streaming being offered to you, we saw more and more. Like the MLB was already kind of ahead of the curve, relatively speaking, with the MLB at bat. We saw a lot of that kind of change the way we view television. And that was like at least 10 years, that was 10 years ago. And we've seen progress being made. I know Hulu, for instance, they have live TV. Does that count towards the Nielsen ratings? I don't necessarily think so, but it's a conversation that I think we can all have. But we're going to go ahead and go to the Twin Peaks hotline one more time, 337-706-0111. Hello, you're on Under the Dome. Yes, um, good afternoon. I have to look at the time and see what time it is. It's about 1216. <laughs> to see if we're we in the morning or the afternoon. Um, good afternoon. Yeah, so you, you mentioned something about the um, – the people saying they don't want to watch, they'll stop watching the NBA. What are, what's their reason? I mean, the, um, sorry, go ahead. The the games under the bubble have been great. You know, if you, you can't ask for anything more, so what's their reason for not wanting to watch the NBA anymore? And I think it, it all kind of has to do with a lot yeah. of the same reasons that we hear the same people. Now, mind you, I'm saying people... For the most part, it's probably people out there that are those Twitter bots. For instance, I brought up one just now that was featured. Mason Ginsburg put this out on Twitter. There was a Twitter account that put out that they're been Raptors fans since 1971, and they've been having season tickets since they were like 23, and they're not going to be going anymore. The Raptors were founded in 1995, so like you know that these there's some people out there that are outright trolling this entire situation. Now it, it, their true allegiances lie. I think a lot of it has to do with maybe the the social justice stuff, and if that and that's the case, you know, fine. Maybe you weren't necessarily a huge fan of basketball, anyways. You know what I find amazing, and I, I truly find this amazing that Americans, which you are, you are, and I am, don't realize this country started from what basically well, it started from protest. Yeah. America came about from protest, and it was not a peaceful protest. It was it was a protest where Americans were destroying the property of the British government, of the king. Yes. And Americans don't realize every, which is sad, every right and freedom we have came about from protest. Exactly. And none of, none of it was peaceful. Like, I mean, freedom of speech. Yeah. Your right your right to bear arms, freedom of press, the right to vote. Women's suffrage came the right to vote for women came from women's suffrage. Yep. Right for right to vote for, for blacks came from the civil rights marches and all the rest of that stuff. Where dogs were set upon them, where they were killed for wanting the right to vote. Every right and freedom we have that's guaranteed by our Constitution, which a lot of Americans tend to forget we have something called a Constitution, came about from protest. So I don't see how Americans cannot say, okay, I have no problem with people protesting for what is right. And, you know, say, well, it's not peaceful. America came about from protest, and it was not peaceful. It ended up in a doggone war. Yep. It ended up in a war where thousands and thousands and thousands of Americans died. You know, I, I, it's just amazing. I tell people I served nine years to protect the Constitution of the United States. I served nine years in the military. Okay? 
I, and, you know, I sat next to a general, and he said, the, he said the most hypocritical person and the most dangerous person in America is a flag waver. He said, because flag wavers tend to forget about the Constitution. He said, but they are, they are the most hypocritical and dangerous people in America. Ron, you know, uh, thank you so much for calling in, man. You know, obviously it's a I, – I agree with everything you just said. It was absolutely perfect and the way you said it. I appreciate you calling in, and you'll call in anytime, man. Have a good one. All right. Actually, I think it was either Ron or James. They usually both sound like relatively similar. He's like, we, they usually call in during Ben show. But everything he said was true. And I'll kind of take a quick time out because we need to. We're past due for it. But I'm also going to play back some stuff from – the marches that LSU and the Cajuns had yesterday. Play some sound from that in a little bit. But I'm appreciate you listening in. If you want to call in, 337-706-0111. And in one word, keep it civil. That's all I'm going to ask. If you don't keep it civil, I might just lock up the phone lines. Then again, I've got Ross Jackson at 1230. You're listening to Under the Dome with CD on 1037 The Game and 1037thegame.com. CD may be considered world famous, but he still goes out and eats a shrimp po' boy just like the rest of us. Just don't talk to him while he's eating. Lay up there, I'm starving. Now back to Under the Dome on 103.7 The Game, Acadiana's sports station. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD. Went a little long on that last segment, but I think it was well worth it to have at least somewhat of a conversation about the NBA and what's next. And if again, I just think there if there's actual progress to be made, you know, that's great. But I'm just more just going to sit here on the sidelines and see what's next when it comes to that more than anything else here. And I love how every time I go back, and this is just more inside baseball, but every time I go back to my folder with all the sound, it just disappears. And I'm like, come on, man. I hit save. Save the damn thing already because I need to have this sound ready for this segment. So the Cajuns and LSU had a separate march. This was all just a separate. There was It wasn't a joint effort. It was all separately, one in Baton Rouge, one in Lafayette. And there was some sound that came out from it, and I'm going to play a couple of those. And, you know, first off, I'm going to go ahead and go with the Cajun's perspective here because I, and I'm going to give credit here. Madeline Adams, Kayla Y, put together a cool package. It's on my Twitter. You can follow her on Twitter at Madeline Adams TV. But she had a couple of clips from Billy Napier and TJ Wisham. And TJ Wisham, I think, was the more interesting cuts and the interesting takeaway when I was listening to this last night. So here's TJ Wisham talking about why they were out there marching yesterday afternoon for life lives lives um with an s too many s's um too many names too many hashtags too many reasons um too many lives lost that's the main reason and that is really you know when it comes down to it it's there's too many lives lost it's not even like it's not about like to me you know that's the real thing that we're talking about is there's too many lives lost and he in fact even mentioned an experience he had. I think that's really what I took away from all this is the experience he had with a police officer. 
having this conversation about change because that is something that me growing up as a black man that I've had to face. I've looked down the barrel of an officer's weapon. I thank God every day she didn't pull the trigger. And that is part of the reason. Just just that statement alone, just it speaks volumes to me. And I, it's amazing to hear somebody like that, a college player, saying that. And then you have head coach Billy Napier mentioning that this is all about creating awareness. This is about uh, creating awareness. Uh, it's about sports being the ultimate unifier. I think you're seeing that throughout our country. You know, it, it's uh, in professional sports and college sports. I think some of the things that we experience in athletics uh, affect who we are and make us have a stronger opinion on these things. And, you know, again, Billy Napier knows how to handle this kind of stuff, and he, he, he handled it extremely well. Again, there was a couple other clips, but it just it wasn't as poignant as saying, you know, creating awareness about all this that has been going on. I mentioned it in the, 10, in the 11 o'clock hour. I'm so used to saying 10 a.m. to noon, but it's 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. We run here each and every Saturday afternoon. Hopefully you've been enjoying the show, be it through the FM dial, the free mobile app, which you can download on iPhone and Android, and also you know your smart speakers, Alexa, Google Home. We appreciate you listening in that way as well. And then LSU had a protest as well and actually had a meeting with the dean of LSU, the interim president of LSU. And, you know, Jacoby Stevens mentioned the team's protest and talked about why they did that. And I think you'll love what a young man like Jacoby Stevens said in in this statement. I wouldn't say that I'm protesting um, for uh, a person who – hasn't done right there in their life. I'm not saying that all cops are bad. I'm not saying that we don't need um, law enforcement. What I am saying is that we need to have this conversation of um, social injustice. I think if we have that conversation actually admitted, I think that we can make a, a lot of improvements and a, a lot of uh, have a lot of steps forward. And that's absolutely huge for me to hear. Jacoby Stevens, T.J. Wisham, and probably countless other players have talked about this in the in recent days. But I think Jacoby Stevens's comments rang in a lot of a different in a different way than I think most of the other comments that I've heard over the last twenty four hours have. Because it's not about you know particular names; it's about the grand scape of all this. Because we're seeing on a regular basis more and more of this. And I mentioned earlier. Social media has become a big reason why we've seen that. And I understand where they're all coming from with this. And I think it's great to see them do this and do it peacefully. Again, keyword there, peaceful. Because I think that's where we need to be. It's the old saying. I I can just think about this so many times. Roadhouse. You know, whatever... Dalton, played by Patrick Swayze, was talking about being nice at the bar, telling the bouncers to be nice. Take them outside. You know, if it, be nice about it. Be nice until it's time to not be nice. And I think right now it's time to basically protest all this and start starting the conversation of how to change the world, change the culture, and it all starts – at home, it's not just oh hey, we're trying to change it on the nationwide scale, the worldwide scale. We're just trying to change it, one city, one parish, at a time. That's just how I'm thinking about it right now, and hopefully you're enjoying the conversation that we're having as well. We're gonna come back. We'll have Ross Jackson, All Saints Considered. 
excuse me, Canal Street Chronicles did it again. Canal Street Chronicles, Locked on Saints podcast. We'll talk to him about those New Orleans Saints and a whole lot more. No, we won't talk about Dragon Ball Z, but we'll talk about the Saints and so much more right here on 1037 The Game at 1037thegame.com. Back after this on Under the Dome with CD. Under the Dome with CD is a show for all the degenerates out there. You make your rules and we will break up. Let's get back to the famous CD who will break it all down for us. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD, coming to you live from the 1037 The Game Studios. Hopefully, you're having a great Saturday afternoon. And more importantly, you know, right now, it just started pouring rain outside of the game studios. I was hearing, like, thunder as I got off break. But hopefully, you're staying safe out there. With all, because, obviously, we're still, like, getting a good bit of rain bands here around the Acadia area post-Hurricane Laura, which thankfully spared Lafayette but not as much a good chunk of like Southwest Louisiana, like Lake Charles Cameron parish looked absolutely flooded, but we'll talk about that a little bit later. But right now we'll go to the twin peaks hotline. Let's talk to Ross Jackson at locked on saints podcast and canal street Chronicles. Ross, what's going on, man? Hey, those are doing very well. Glad to be back here with you. Um, want to give uh, a quick shout out and show my love to the people of uh, Southwest Louisiana as well. I don't want that to, to go, uh, unmentioned. So I appreciate you bringing that up, and I want to I want to extend my heart out there too. Cause I survived Katrina, man, and uh, and Rita, and so I'm 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 here with it, and uh, you know we're out here for y'all. I appreciate that, Ross. I mean, man, you know, again, like Lake Charles. When I saw some of the videos oh. of it on like th- Wednesday, late Wednesday night, Thursday morning, like the video, the thing that just messed with me the most was the video of inside Lobert's where you were hearing yeah. the wind howling. It was like a yeah. siren song. I was just, I was like, man, this is, and you know, it's a category four might could very well be, you know, ret- retroactively. Cause if I'm not mistaken, Katrina was like a, a two, what it made landfall, right? Yeah, that's right. Or it, I think it made landfall. It was a two or a three when it made landfall. Yeah. And then it was retroactively named a five, right? Exactly. That's the one thing I just don't understand about how hurricanes work. It's like, how can you like retroactively name something like, like a, a category five? Yeah, I, I don't know. I think that it just has something. I I, I can't explain it. You know what I mean? I, I just I just lived through it. But um, yeah, it's a wild thing in terms of the way that all this works out, and you know yeah. the predictability of these storms and everything is is, is so unpredictable. Uh, and so you know it's it's important to you know always just try to remain as safe as possible. But you know we're at the 15 year anniversary today of Katrina. And so that that, that was wild when yeah. I woke up this morning yeah. and I started seeing stuff. I was like. That was 15 years ago, man. I was like a right. I was a junior in high school when that happened. It blows my mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, wild man. But you know, it's a crazy, crazy time uh, again here, 15 years later, uh, for for Southwest Louisiana. So obviously, like, heart goes out to everybody, and hope to be able to provide something that is, you know, some joy uh, throughout the day. But obviously, don't want to don't want to go without mentioning it. Yeah, I pre- appreciate again, Ross. And you know, obviously, we want to have a little bit of. More levity, but I think we need to get to even more just some a little bit of sad news that came out yesterday uh, with Gail mm-hmm. Benson testing positive for COVID nineteen. Thankfully, she is progressing well and improving daily, and apparently, she hasn't missed a single work call. Like, how much does that speak to her dedication towards the Saints and also Pelicans franchise? Because even right. in the midst of like dealing with this 
virus has proven to be deadly, she's still out there like grinding away. Yeah, it, it's it's an incredible it's an incredible thing. I mean, she's still doing like you mentioned, she's still doing all the work calls and everything. It just goes to show you that you know people are people are going to uh, you know care about what they care about and they're going to come through for what they love. And you know, we know you know personally that you know the Pelicans that that's that's her baby, that's her club. You know, um, and so the way that she's handled everything in the off season with them so far, and the way that she has been uh, with the Pelicans as well as with the Saints. Since uh, taking over as owner, she's become one of the uh, one of the better owners, I would say, better at least in terms of reputation and in terms of product uh, that she's been able to help develop and culture she's been able to help create. And I know that there's been some you know things here and there that people have had discussions over, and there are ongoing discussions about certain matters. But in terms of the product being put out on the field and put out on the court, this is an exact testament to the type of work that goes into that. That yes, yeah, she might be home you know, getting daily care and, as you mentioned, progressing well and, and improving daily, which is fantastic. But, you know, she's not missing the meeting. <laughs> no, exactly. She's, she's not, like, missing, not missing a beat, you know. <laughs> and, I mean, and thankfully, you know, it's not like, you know, you, she's actually having to go to a meeting. Now these are all right. largely conducted through Zoom or, or even a teleconference mm-hmm. call where, you know, she's able to be at home and make sure that she's able to rest up and, and recover from all this. Right. Especially after what we saw with Sean Payton early on during the pandemic. Catching mm-hmm. COVID nineteen, not and you get to see like a lot of these people recover, and that really is a promising sign because you just see like immediately once the pandemic all started, it was basically like, you started hearing all these stories about people just just dying from it, and now we see a mm-hmm. lot more and more. I mean, you know, we talked about it early on in the pandemic with Rudy Gobert testing positive for COVID nineteen, and right. he was able to recover. I mean, obviously he still had some, some symptoms, and there's still some lingering symptoms that will happen with a lot of these cases. But seeing these guys be able to recover and bounce back from it, that causes a lot of conversation about, like, hey, this isn't a death sentence, basically. Right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it, it certainly – I mean, it certainly it has proven that way in certain cases and has proven that – and proven not to be uh, in certain cases and everything. And so yeah, I think that the way you have to look at it is sort of that – it is a it is unpredictable, um, and that you know until until you know for sure one yeah. way or another you're going to continue to see people operating as if they're going to recover because there's a lot of evidence and there's a lot of uh, of people that shown that they can. There are also a lot of people that have unfortunately not been able to, and so you know the the caution, the risk, the respect for it has to be there. But outside of that, the you know people that are operating within it and the people that you know. Are these athletes and that are you know that are uh, have a focus on something that they do feel like they have to get done and dedicate themselves to? You'll see them sort of bury themselves in that either as solace or simply as a means of staying connected with with whatever because they do believe that they will be able to come out of it healthy and everything. You know, we're seeing a lot of you know uh, LSU players that that tested uh, positive here recently. The you know a, a large portion of the offensive line, but many of them asymptomatic. That's a good sign, you know. So you're seeing a lot of this, and you're seeing a lot of players go on and off of the COVID-19 list. So, in terms of the, you know, we can't speak on the effect of the virus as a whole, but in terms of the effect of the uh, of the virus at the um, at the NFL level and the way that it's affecting the NFL's game, so far teams, individuals have done a very have been lucky enough and have done a good job of managing this to a point to where you know, things can still move forward and these guys all still have jobs and still have work. And, and, and thus the, you know, the country still has entertainment and everything like that on the way for this game that has become very important, not only for the players, but for the fans, for the owners, for everybody that's involved in it. And 
so a lot of good signs at this point, but still, you know, a lot of, as you mentioned, things that are unanswered, things we don't know yet, and things that we will learn as these teams begin to travel. All right, enough of the heavy stuff right now. Let's get let's get to yeah, stuff yeah. on the field right now for for a little bit. Talking now with Ross Jackson, Locked On Saints podcast and Canal Street Chronicles, and I saw this pop up a couple hours ago with him, uh, Ian Rapport on Twitter reporting that former Chiefs and Chargers defensive end Anthony Lanier is going to be signing with the Saints. He's going to be depth after injury up front. What can you say about this recent signing? I think this is a nice signing for the Saints. I mean, they, they ended up losing a guy that they that they really liked to a torn triceps injury, uh, Jalen Dalton, who uh, is somebody that was standing out and doing a lot of good work during camp. Hard to say whether or not he would have ended up being a guy that ended up on the uh, on the 53-man roster, but he still would have been a valuable piece on, let's say, the, you know, the practice squad or anything like that. But he ends up with a torn triceps injury. He is out for the rest of the season. The Saints go out and they sign uh, Anthony Lanier, and he's somebody that's going to be able to plug in and, and help during camp, be another one of those guys at the rotation, and then you know contribute as depth if the Saints like him enough. He might end up in the same type of situation that uh, that uh, Jalen Dalton looked like he was on his way to, which would have been a valuable piece on the on the practice squad. You look over Lanier's career, not a lot of games, for a 15-game sample size, 2016-2017. Uh, no, no games played in 2018 or 2019. Back in 2017, uh, he did walk away uh, with, I'm trying to see how many sacks he had that year. I think it was five sacks. Um, but, yes, he walked away with five sacks and five tackles for a loss, as well as 12, uh, sorry, 10 quarterback hits. So he was in the backfield quite a bit. Uh, during that 2017 season, so hopefully, you know, this gives him an opportunity to come to an organization that is going to carve out a very specific route to give him the possibility of, of you know, locking up a job come September 4th, and he'll be able to make good on that and sort of get back to that playing level. One thing I keep forgetting to ask you, Ross, is mm-hmm. about him a Saints corner formerly the owner is formerly known as C.J. Gardner Johnson. Now he's yeah. C.D. Deuce. What's your takeaway on the name change? Because I, I, I've been having some thoughts about it. It just kind of popped in my head again, seeing a story from NOAA.com about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, I've I've sort of been on the on the train with the CDD's name change of like, dude, look, you tell me what your name is, and that's what I'm going to call you. Like, <laughs> it's fine. Uh, but, you know, like myself, as a junior, myself, much like C.J. Gardner-Johnson is a, I think, believe he's a third um, he is somebody. No, no, no. He's a junior as well. Um, he's somebody that, throughout his entire lifetime, going into college at Florida, his name uh, Chauncey Gardner Jr. He was named after somebody else, and then during his junior year, if I remember correctly, in college, he added Johnson to uh, bring in his stepdad's name and, and pay homage there. So then he became Chauncey Gardner Johnson, and then once he entered the NFL, he wanted to switch away from Chauncey and then go to CJ which kind of started to develop a little bit of a desire for himself in terms of an individual uh, reputation for himself and kind of get rid of the name, as, you know, Chauncey, and, you know, which was given to him by somebody else's name. And then now he's just gone completely individual and said, this is what I want my name to be because I want to carve out, you know, who I am and what I'm doing as opposed to consistently being attached to somebody else. So I understand the, the impetus behind it. And everything, so I'm I'm on board with it. I, I was struggling for a long time because I was trying to figure out if it was CD Deuce, CD Duce, or CD Duce. And I was trying <laughs> to figure out which one he was going with, uh, but it seems that CD Deuce, Deuce, of course, is number twenty-two. Deuce, Deuce. Um, you know, that's what the coaches called him, so that's what he ended up moving forward with. And I'm, I'm with that. I think it's absolutely perfect, Ross. When you think about it, just it works out extremely well. CD Deuce, and it it all is 
symbolic. Thank goodness we didn't see you know him go. F- I brought up the artist formerly known as Chauncey Gardner Johnson. Thank goodness he exactly. didn't go with a symbol. Like, could you, right? Metal World Deuce or something like that. Like at least he didn't go like you know that route. You know, or, just, or, or just simply going by the number, you know, 22. <laughs> well, I mean, we had a dues before, and that worked out really well. So you know. That worked out very well for him. <laughs> <laughs> but I think, I think that's probably one of the more interesting things from this offseason that kind of popped up again because of an article from NOLA.com. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I saw – I was listening into Unprompted Louis Prejean before I took the hot tag, got into the studio, and he mentioned your question to him, with your prediction, I should say, Marcus Williams leads the defense in INTs with six. How confident you are that in that happening? I'm I'm pretty confident in it happening. I'm not gonna lie. I mean, it would be a career high for him. His career high so far is four. He's led the team in interceptions before, um, and he really is. You know, I mean, he's the guy that leads the team in interceptions over the three years that he's been in the leagues in 2017. And among safeties, he ranks highly since that point as well. He's somebody that that's his specialty. That's what he does. He takes the ball away. Uh, we've seen it during camp. We've seen him get better and better and do a great job at getting in position. Sometimes we, we discount Marcus Williams for not making plays without realizing that he should have never been able to get to that spot on the field to be involved in the play in the first place. And I think that's something that we tend to hold against him as opposed to understanding that, oh, he literally started at the other side of the field <laughs> um, when this ball was thrown and then worked his way into position to even just get blamed for the play, and that alone is impressive. He's got elite range. He's an elite. Uh, he's, a, he's he's an elite ball skill guy, and he's a ball hawk. I mean, that's what he does. He creates takeaways. He generates turnovers. He you know needs to work on the tackling. He, Coach Payton, everybody in the building has acknowledged that so far. I think that's something that will continue to improve. But in terms of what his game is and where it is that he where it is that he excels, it's taking the ball away. And I think he can continue that in 20, uh, 2020, especially going into a contract season. Talk right now with Ross Jackson, Locked On Saints podcast and Canal Street Chronicles. Now we're going to get to the fun stuff because I know you and I we were we were joking around after last week's Dragon Ball Z segment <laughs> seemingly went went viral. I would say in terms of the conversation that we had, you brought up the Simpsons, and I was like, nah, not necessarily because that feels like that would take up too much time because there's too many characters to kind of choose right, from right, from yeah. from the Simpsons over the last like thirty years. If we wound up just narrowing it down to eleven seasons, maybe we could get it done in one segment. <laughs> but you you brought up a question that you've been. Asked, and I think that's probably the most interesting like question that I've thought that you threw my way in a while. And you know, I was blown away by this question because you know, because I'm a big wrestling fan. I host the Cajun Strong Style <clears throat> Podcast, a 103.7 game podcast exclusively dedicated to pro wrestling. And you mentioned the question was which Saints player would make the best WWE talent. Now I want to add a twist to that in terms <clears throat> of who would work best as a babyface and which Saints player would work best as a heel. I love it. I love it. I love it. <laughs> so why don't you so shoot your idea my that, way? Yeah, yeah. I think that for me, the two people that immediately jumped out, particularly as babyface, Alvin Kamara was the one that immediately jumped out for me. Uh, he has the look. He has the personality. You know, the big grill, the big smile. People love him. You know, he would bring in sort of that, all of the love that would come with that. Um, he has the the agility. He has the balance. He has everything that is you know, flashy and is, you know, what would excite people to watch in the ring, a little bit of a kind of Rey Mysterio-esque type Yes, of that's exactly what I was going to say. Yeah, yeah, you know, he has that, right? He's got all that. And so I think that that would be perfect. Um, and then for me, the heel, 
I have a couple of different options, but it feels natural to go over to the defensive side, you know what I mean, and really work up, the, yeah. and then it creates the storyline of the running back versus the defensive lineman. And so I go with Cam Jordan. Um, Cam Jordan, just big, strong. He can play whatever character you want. We've seen him play antagonist before. Remember, we, we watched him go after uh, Big Ben in interviews. The way that he conducts himself in interviews sometimes reminds me of you know, watching Stone Cold Steve Austin, watching Hulk Hogan, watching Rock, Macho Man Randy Savage, these guys that were just legends with a mic in their face. Cam Jordan could be that guy. And I think that, you know, you curl up the mustache again, he goes by, you know, Captain Cam Sparrow or whatever, and then you send him out there and then he ends up being, I think he would be a very fun heel. And he presents you with enough likability that it creates sort of that dichotomy of the character that we'd love to see uh, in those heels and eventually could at some point you know, be flipped at one point as well, and it would be a lot of fun to watch. For me, I'm cheating here because I thought about it before yeah, the yeah. show. So my face is Cam Jordan, without a doubt, because I think he has that. You bring up Stone Cold. I think when Stone, you think about Stone Cold, he was more of a tweener, anti-authority, mm-hmm. and all that. I think with him, with Cam Jordan, he just has that likable personality all the way around. I think he'd be mm-hmm. great as like a heavyweight attraction and probably wind up being mm-hmm. the top draw if we put a promotion together right here right now with solely NFL players just because of his size and his personality. Oh yeah. And he'd be oh, he'd yeah. be a great promo. But with the heel, I wanted to bring this twist in. Can't we say Sean Payton would be a great Paul Heyman, Jim Cornette type oh, heel? So good. That is so good. <laughs> like seriously, you hear him in those post game press conferences. So he could work really well as like the leader of a new dangerous alliance, if you will. Yes. Sean Payton would be the leader of this entire yes. thing. And now it it also made me think is like basically if we were to go now it's like we're gonna go off the rails here in a second. Is if we were to book is in my mind, I'm gonna go ahead and go with the four horsemen just as the reference tool here. Perfect. Mm-hmm. The four mm-hmm. horsemen with Sean Payton as JJ Dillon. Who would you fill out? How would you uh, fill out the rest of the four horsemen? Oh, okay. Um, you know, one of the other guys that I thought about that would be an underrated but good talent that would just sort of be that kind of annoying presence that would just run around and be, you know, the, the troublemaker of that group is Trey Hendricks. And Trey Hendrickson gets into a fight every training camp. We already know that he could <laughs> pull that in. So I'll, I'll throw Trey Hendrickson in there. Um, I think that another guy, you know, would be really interesting to watch. Um, where does Drew? Could we fit Drew Brees into this at all? I, I, just, I just don't feel. I feel like Drew Brees is the John Cena of this whole conversation because he is the really the, the yeah, forever really babyface. He he can never turn heel. So for me, I think whenever you brought up Trey Hendrickson, I'll throw in Janoris Jenkins as well. I think Dark he is a guy a that's going to yep. be in there as probably you know like I'd say. He's not Arn Anderson. He's probably he's not Ric Flair. I think when it comes mm-hmm. down to it, you gotta have you know you've gotta have the the Arn Andersons, the Tully Blanchards. I he'd probably want he'd probably be the fourth horseman of all of this. But it's Arn Anderson would prop. I mean, I brought up Cam Jordan. I think he'd work well as a heel too. So I'd put him as the Arn Anderson of the group. He's your Arn Anderson for he, sure. He, yeah, he's, yeah, he's your reliable hand. And hell, I'd probably put Shy Tuttle in there as well. I mean, or. <laughs> I'd I'd put him in consideration for that. Hell, you know what? Let's let's do this. Michael Thomas is the Ric Flair of the Four Horsemen. Michael Thomas is your Ric Flair. That's a hundred percent right. I a hundred percent agree with that. Michael Thomas is a hundred percent your Ric Flair. Just you know, the the guy that can go out and that can be that antagonistic presence, and that can be that 
you know, I'm going to command this room with a microphone in my hand kind of guy, like, and then be the, you know, also be the, you know, um, the show-stopping performer in the group and everything as well. He's the, yeah, exactly. Bombastic. That's perfect. Yeah, no, that's, yeah, Michael Thomas is a definite within that, 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 uh, new Peyton order, if you will. Of the four <laughs> new <horsemen>. Peyton <laughs> order. I love it. I love it, Ross. <laughs> or Peyton, or Peyton World Order, one of the two. I love it. And, you know, that this is exactly how I love these conversations to end with you and I. After last week's Dragon Ball Z conversation went way off the rails, <laughs> and I love it. This was even better, Ross. Thank you so much. Oh, absolutely, man. Always a pleasure. I'll talk to you again soon, man. Stay safe. And everybody, uh, thank you very much for all y'all work at the studio. And uh, y'all stay safe. All right. That was Ross Jackson. You can follow him on Twitter, at Ross Jackson Nola. We come back. We'll wrap up the show. One final take. And it'll be short and sweet to the point. And not quite sports-related, not quite what we've been talking about over the last, let's say, 30 minutes. But definitely a fun, well, one last take I've got right in just a little bit. Back after this on Under the Dome with CD on 103.7 The Game. Just before we close up shop here on 103.7 The Game, The famous CD is looking to fire off one more take before dropping the mic. Is it going to be a hot one, or is it going to be one he'd like to take back six months down the road? Let's listen in and find out. Most weeks in non-COVID times, I'd sure love to go run and catch a movie after my show's done. After I get everything done with the post-show, I usually try and roll out of here and go enjoy a movie. In fact, I went to movies back in March before the whole world shut down for the most part. I went to see The Way Back. It was an okay movie. And if any of you know me well enough, know how much I love the Bill and Ted movies. Well, Bill and Ted Face the Music came out in theaters yesterday, and it kind of low-key happened. Didn't even realize it until I started to see people bring it up on Twitter, and it was trending worldwide. But there's an option to watch it on demand. But I, I want to bring up the fact that it's in theaters right now, almost six months after the pandemic really got started. And in my mind, it's nowhere near time for us to shift back to where we were and go physically to the movies just yet. Yes, there'll be restrictions relative to the amount of people in each theater, so on and so forth. But that's not a risk I'm willing to take unless we see proper precautions being taken. To me, it's like after every showing, there needs to be a deep clean of that area. And that would mean longer gaps between movies. And that would mean theaters couldn't handle having an individual room being occupied for, let's say, like an hour or two and not making money off it because they usually have like a rolling kind of set of how many times you're going to air a movie a day. And for me, you know, I love going to the movies, but I like some athletes. I'm opting out of going theaters in 2020 and a little bit after that. I'll catch it down the road. I'll catch it streaming, whatever. I'm hopeful that the theater industry does indeed survive, but it's tough to see it in the world that we're in right now. If theaters do die out, we might have seen the last of the great summer blockbusters. Streaming services have been the big thing that's changed the world and I'm pretty sure that watching a movie on the couch is way more comfortable than those recliners, at least from my POV. Thanks for listening to the program. Under the Dome with CD is officially over. We'll be back with you next Saturday with a brand new edition of the program. Until then, take it easy, stay safe, and make sure to stay ever vigilant of hurricanes because we're starting to get closer to the peak of hurricane season. Stay safe. And I'm on thoughts and prayers to everybody involved who was in the Worst part of that hurricane, especially like Iberia, uh, Lake Charles, you have like Cameron, Gaydon, all those different places. Thoughts and prayers your way.
Wake up. The show's over. Oh, yeah. Kick it.